Thursday here on Brandon's World. It is September 14th, 2023. You already know we're in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live. All my social media links are in the description below, including my brand new show, Championship Ranks, that I do in collaboration with Voltage Live with Josh Unger every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Before we get to my money line in week two NFL best bets. And once again, I feel like last week I got screwed by the Buffalo Bills out of a very good week into a very average, if not below average week. Before I get to my NFL picks for the week, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about the merger that officially went down on Tuesday. That being WWE, UFC, officially becoming TKO. Now, you guys know I am not a, a MMA fan. I'm not a boxing fan. I'm not a UFC fan. Uh, the only boxer that has really got me to a television set was Floyd Money Mayweather, of course, when he took on Conor McGregor uh, in August of 2017. That was maybe the biggest fight in the history of the sport. Uh, that got me to a TV set because I wanted to see the greatest fighter of all time potentially live out and remain undefeated his whole career which he did in Floyd Mayweather. But there's a huge difference between obviously real and mixed martial arts fighting and professional wrestling. The weird thing about it is, you know, some to maybe a lot of WWE fans do like UFC. UFC fans do not like WWE. They don't like the fake stuff where WWE fans are able to merge the storytelling and the fake quote-unquote and the scriptedness with the real fighting of UFC. And we've seen many UFC stars transition into WWE, whether it's been Bobby Lashley, whether it's been Brock Lesnar, whether it's been Ronda Rousey uh, and have major success. And we've seen guys like Daniel Cormier obviously come over to the WWE world as well. Um, but I want to talk about the merger because it's a very interesting time in wrestling. We know, obviously, AEW is looking for a brand new deal, potentially a streaming service deal with Warner Brothers Media. I don't expect things on the WWE end to change, uh, you know, relatively soon. We all know the guy here to my left uh, in my virtual background on YouTube, if you're listening, that creepy mustache guy. Vince McMahon, we've all been covering, you know, is scandals, is he in and creative, is he out of creative, we've heard rumblings, he's back, we've heard rumblings, he's out, nobody has any idea, we've covered it extensively here uh, on the Brandage World Podcast for the last year, Um, but I think in terms of the day-to-day -day operations of WWE and UFC, I don't expect a lot to change. They are really two independent brands. Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, Triple H will run WWE. Dana White will run UFC. I think the biggest thing that we have to look at here, obviously we know WWE is going to have more sponsorships. Does that mean more sponsorship matches? Does that mean some more random stuff? Absolutely, but you got to go where the money goes. I think on screen and the biggest effect we may have, because I don't think there's going to be a lot of layoffs on screen. They kind of did that the last couple of years. I think the layoffs will be more towards the board size and things like that. 
the immediate future of what we have to look at is television rights deals. And we know that Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, their deals are all up uh, next fall in 2024. Raw and NXT are currently on the USA Network. SmackDown is, of course, currently on Fox. It's been reported WWE is looking for around $300 million each for Raw and SmackDown, supposedly Fox does not want to pay that right deal. It sounds like Amazon and Disney could be involved in negotiations for Friday Night SmackDown. And we've seen WWE really be the leader in streaming changes. Uh, you know, we saw them obviously come up with the WWE Network in 2014, which at the time was very revolutionary. Uh, and then we saw them obviously go to Peacock. Then we saw them bring SmackDown to Network Television and Fox. I think an Amazon deal is more likely than people think. And WWE potentially, you know, having, you know, their service SmackDown, whatever night it's going to be on. Obviously, it couldn't be on Thursday night because of Thursday night football. But maybe Amazon decides to keep it on Friday nights if that was the case. Uh, we see, obviously, SmackDown dominating Friday nights in almost every metric. Um you know, I think it could be very interesting and it, it is a real possibility. As for Raw, a lot of people don't envision WWE ever moving Raw off on Monday night. I gotta tell you, never say never. And it sounds like the Disney-owned company FX is potentially interested in Raw. That'd be very interesting if they decide to move Raw off Monday night. Maybe you put NXT on Monday night because Raw is dealing with a lot of competition these days. Now, between Monday Night Football and college football, you know, from September to January, uh, then you have March Madness that, that you have to deal with, special Olympics sometimes that you have to deal with, you know, potential baseball, NBA playoffs, you know, in April, May. So they're really throughout the summer, uh, and obviously some of those problems, right, the NBA playoffs, the Olympics, sometimes it doesn't matter what date you're going to be on, you're going to deal with some competition. But nowadays it feels like Raw, you know, June, July, a little bit of August, maybe a little bit in that April window right after WrestleMania, that's the only time they're not dealing with competition. And maybe, just maybe, WWE wants to eliminate some of that competition and take Raw off Monday nights. Never say never with that. The only thing I really am not liking so far about uh, this potential WWE-UFC merger is the option that I do think WWE is going to eventually go back to the pay-per-view model instead of the premium live event model. We know right now everybody can get it on Peacock. Now, that deal isn't up till 2026. So until then, I really do believe that, you know, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, and all that uh, will still be the five bucks a month. I know there are paid tiers on Peacock. You can get it without ads for $10, obviously. Uh, but I do not think, and I've been very vocal about this, I don't think WWE should go back to the pay-per-view model. I think AEW and UFC should follow the WWE model. And I get it. You've got to go with the money is. I said about the sponsorships. But sometimes getting better viewers, having more people accessible to your product, which is what SmackDown has done, getting the most ratings out of any wrestling television show by far, by being on network television, that being Fox, getting most people to your product, allowing them to watch even the big events for $5, 
Uh, I get it. They're, they're breaking records. It's unbelievable. And WWE is extremely hot right now. And I would not ruin that momentum by going back to a pay-per-view model. I've seen a lot of talk about a hybrid model, which I guess would be okay, which would feature basically your big five, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, WrestleMania, you know, under that pay-per-view model. And the rest of the B-shows, quote-unquote, could be on the premium live event model. However, if they were to do that, you got to make sure Survivor Series is worth 60 bucks every year. WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble. We know there are those down years where even those major shows, the card isn't great. Uh, this year's SummerSlam was very hyped up, and the card wasn't uh, as great as it could have been, in my opinion. So if they were to do that, you absolutely have to make sure that each of those big five uh, premium live events are going to be worth something, are going to be worth that $60 every single year. I get it from the UFC perspective because they don't have as many events as WWE. I understand what they're thinking. We could bundle UFC and WWE together, sort of one big model. I just think it needs to be under Peacock or ESPN+, Plus, whatever the subscription model may be, and don't charge extra for that pay-per-view service. Keep it at $9.99, $4.99, whatever that price is, and make it more accessible for everyone. But the future of wrestling is bright. I think it's going to get more eyes on the WWE product, uh, and we'll be interested to see sort of where this merger goes. So last week, I ended up going 9-7 and seven in the money line, thanks to that Bills disaster on Monday night, and I was 2-2 two and two in best bets. We were going to have a winning week, and then Buffalo disappointed me at the end. Obviously, the kickoff return, the Josh Allen, or the punt return, excuse me, the Josh Allen turnovers caused me to go two and five in best bets. So now we're here at week two, and there's a lot of interesting lines here on this game. There's some very tricky games, in my opinion, that I would stay away from. There are nine road teams favored, which seems a lot for week two in this season. And some teams that are 0-1 that we had some high hopes for that are looking to bounce back. So without further ado, these are my NFL 2023 week two money line predictions for every game and my five best bets. Kicking it off, Thursday night football, Vikings at Eagles. Philly is favored by seven points. Listen, as an Eagles fan, I was obviously not impressed by barely surviving against New England, who has no offensive skill positions, and they made those wide receivers look legit in week one. I think a lot of it has to do with Russ. I think a lot of it has to do with new coordinators. Philadelphia did not play a lot of starters in the preseason. I do think the Eagles are going to be fine. We know how they handled Minnesota in week two of last year. Minnesota's got that in the back of their brain. They have a new defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, who is going to need time to once again implement his scheme over there in, um, in Minnesota. But the other thing here is the Vikings are mad. They got shocked by Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Bucks week one in their house. And the best thing about football, you know, they always say, you know, basketball, baseball, you can erase, you know, bad games, bad loss, but just going out there and playing the next day. Well, Minnesota has a short week. They can get week one out of their mind. They're going to burn the tape. They're going to come in with revenge on their mind from last year and something to prove. It's why I think this game is going to be a little bit tougher than most people think for Philly. Now, Minnesota's dealing with some offensive line injuries, but for Philadelphia, James Bradbury, Nicobe Dean, 
both out on the defensive side of the ball. This game will all come down to a Vassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, that Eagles defensive line can get after Minnesota and make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. I think Cousins actually plays well given his front time history. Philadelphia make over by a touchdown. I think this game is closer than people think, but I'm going to take the Eagles to win the game. Next game, Seattle has to come in desperate here. They got embarrassed by the Rams at home last week. So you know they're going to play well. But this is west to east coast in a dome against Jared Goff and that eye-powering Detroit Lions offense, who is a lot more talent than what that Rams offense had last week. I think the Lions are going to be able to dominate Seattle up front. I think they play well. Though I think Seattle, once again, plays well. I think Geno Smith gets back going. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, DK Metcalf, Iowa Lockett, Kenneth Walker, those offensive weapons give Detroit more problems than what Kansas City gave them last week. I think this is a very close game. The line is about right. Uh, It's Detroit minus five and a half. I think either way, either team could win here by a touchdown. I'm going to take the Lions to win late. Uh, but I'm not going to bet the spread. Speaking of weird games, this is one of the weirder games on the weekend because Green Bay is now favored by one and a half on the road against Atlanta. And Atlanta, that game against Carolina last week was weird. I mean, Desmond Ritter at one point was four for four for zero yards. They refused to run the ball downfield. They didn't get uh, Kyle Pitts involved. They didn't get Drake London involved. You would think Arthur Smith's going to hear that from the media this week. They're going to get those guys more involved. For his sake, I hope he gets B. John Robinson more involved because he may already be their best offensive player. The explosion in his hand is unbelievable. Now, I think Atlanta is going to have some Avon Jordan Love. I think they're going to try to figure him out. I think it was the element of surprise last week. The Bears were not ready for. Uh, but Green Bay seemed well coached. They're going to run the football against an Atlanta front that isn't great outside of Calais Campbell. Green Bay is building momentum, and now this is their second straight game on the road. They know they have a huge opportunity here to go 2-0 on the year when most people pick them to finish third or fourth in the division. To go 2-0 on the road gives Green Bay high hopes for the season and with Detroit on potential upset award against Seattle. With Minnesota, tough game against Philadelphia. Chicago now in desperation mode against Tampa. I think Green Bay sees the opportunity. Atlanta knows they are in a pretty weak division. I think Jordan Love once again goes out here, and Green Bay starts the year 2-0 on the road. Next game. I was debating about uh, picking this game as one of my best bets, but I stayed away from it because I don't trust Justin Fields with the Bears. They go on the road to Tampa. Now, Matt Eberflus is a defensive guy. He should be able to rattle Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, that they do have a lot of weapons. The Bears might have been disappointed in week one. You know, they're going to come out. They're going to be angry. They're going to want to play well. This is a huge game for Justin Fields, who, just like last year, looked over his skis. He has not won enough in the National Football League. He only has five wins right now, five career wins on his resume. 
That needs to change. The Bears cannot start 0-2 with this regime in this era, or Eberflus may be out quicker than we think, and they'll be looking for a new quarterback because this is Justin Fields' last chance. He has DJ Moore, Colk, Ahmed, Khalil Herbert against a pretty bad Tampa secondary. They gave up a lot of yards to Justin Jefferson. I think DJ Moore has a big game. I think the Bears win. I'm not going to best bet them. If I was, I would definitely take the Bears side here. Tampa is favored by three at home, which is about right because you get three points at home. But at the end of the day, I still think Chicago is the better football team, and it's pretty much a must win for them. Speaking of a must win and a good showing, this is Buffalo. Now, I don't like taking huge lines. The line is nine and a half, so I'm not going to take it. I think there's better bets on the board. But Vegas going west to east coast. Jimmy Garoppolo did play well last week, but Buffalo's defensive line got after the Jets' offensive line, even though they lost that game. And Vegas, we know their defense is not great. This is a game for Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Duncan Cade, you know, Dawson Knox, uh, James Cook, that offense to get right. It's a game for that secondary to put pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. This game has a feel a blowout to it. It feels like Buffalo needs to play well. Buffalo's been the laughing stock of the week. The way they lost that game Monday night. Everybody's been talking about Josh Allen and his wild turnovers. Though we know how talented he is. Can he stop turning the ball over? That's the biggest and boldest question when it comes to this game. Buffalo needs to have a good showing. I think they blow Vegas out. Though, again, I think there's better lines on the board here. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo plays. This game could be over by halftime. And for Buffalo's sake, if this is a close game, or dare I say, if they lose to Vegas, they are in real trouble the rest of the way. Because as we said going into this season, with the Stephon Diggs drama, people questioning if Sean McDermott is the right coach, people questioning if Josh Allen has turned into Carson Wentz, there's a lot of noise up there in Buffalo, and they need to silence the doubts. Now, this game, you may think I'm crazy, but I'm going to take Kansas City, and this is my first best bet of the weekend. I'm just going to take them to win by more than three against Jacksonville. I think they win by at least a touchdown. They re-signed Chris Jones. He's back for one year. He did not get a long-term extension, which tells me Kansas City is ready to move off Chris Jones at the end of the year, but they want to try to run it back, and they want to try to win one more Super Bowl. As I said last night on our Championship Rings podcast, then once again, I do with Josh Unger, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, in collaboration with Voltage Live, the same Voltage Live that collaborates with the Brandon's World podcast. But Jacksonville had a very good offense week one. We saw ETN. We saw Calvin Ridley. We saw Ingram. We saw Christian Kirk. But their defense is not very good. And Travis Kelsey being back. Now Chris Jones being back. Doug Peterson has never beaten Andy Reid throughout his career. Does this feel like the best shot? Yes. But Kansas City is 0-1. They do not want to fall to 0-2 because actually being 0-2 in the AFC could ruin your chance of getting home field advantage throughout the postseason. Kansas City knows how important this game is. They know how easy Jacksonville's division slash schedule is. They're going to go out. They're going to do some clever things. I think they win by 7 to 10 points. Kansas City looks to right the ship. They got their guys back. They play well. They beat Jacksonville. And again, I'm taking them minus three. 
How about the Chargers? I have them winning. I have them covering. It's another one of my best bets against Tennessee, who I was very down on Tennessee to start the year. I said they have they have uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who was old and slow. They have Derrick Henry. You can still put nine in the box against them. I said Ryan Tannehill stunk, and man, did they look awful against New Orleans. They kicked five field goals, and they still lost the game by a point. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a good game, but that offense almost looked lifeless. I said on Tuesday, I think expect Malik Willis in there at some point, Will Levis in there at some point, just give you more mobility. I think Ryan Tannehill is just shot. Tennessee is well coached. Their secondary onto the Kevin Byers stinks. We know the Chargers can put points on the board. I think Herbert, Kellen Moore go in there. They throw the ball all all the way around the yard. They run the ball with Austin Eckler. They take apart Tennessee at home. I think that this is an easy cover. I think Tennessee's offense is lackluster. I don't think it's dynamic. I think the Chargers, even with their defensive struggles, they go in there and they pound Tennessee. The best thing for the Chargers to do in this game early is get a lead because we know Brandon Staley and crew cannot stop the run. But if you get a big lead, if you get a 10-14 point lead and you take Derrick Henry out of this game, which I think the Chargers will do, that is where the possibility for a route ensues. Now, Colts at Texans. Before the year started, I had Houston winning this game. I thought C.J. Shroud, D'Amico Ryans, I liked the weapons they had. I thought Houston was going to be much improved. And I did not know if Indianapolis was going to start the year with Anthony Richardson. I thought it was going to be Gardner Minshew. I thought it was going to take more time for Shane Steichen to get acclimated. But Indy at Jacksonville on the ropes, if it wasn't for a couple turnovers, Houston struggled against Baltimore. I think DeForest Buckner and that uh, Colts defensive line gets after C.J. Stroud, who completely looked over his skis. Now, will they run the ball better with Damian Pierce, who only had like 40 yards in week one? They should. They'll take some pressure off him. But I still think Indianapolis now, offensive coach Shane Steichen versus defensive coach D'Amico Ryans. The way Anthony Richardson looked week one, even in a loss, uh, the future is exciting and bright for the Colts. I think they come out. I I think that they get their first win. Steichen played Houston last year as as a member of the Eagles. He's got that tape. He's going to use the zone read. He's going to use Michael Pippen. Their run game did not miss a lot without Jonathan Taylor, which is what I predicted going into the year. I have Indianapolis winning this game and, again, covering the one-point spread, which is essentially the money line. Now, this is arguably my shock of the week. I'm not going to best bet it because I'm not confident about it. I think Baltimore goes in there. They beat Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati is favored by three and a half, which tells me that they would be favored by one and a half uh, if this game was in Baltimore. But we saw how the Bengals looked in week one. Now, generally, good teams, they do bounce back. But with that being said, Joe Burrow is still hurt. Uh, now, Cincinnati has had some good games against Baltimore in Burrow's tenure, but Baltimore has also played them really tough the last couple of times. Baltimore won in Baltimore last year, and then obviously in the playoff game, if it wasn't for that great play by Sam Hubbard, maybe, you know, Tyra Huntley and that crew pull off the upset. I think Baltimore knows, hey, we got Cincinnati in week two. 
I believe they have the Browns in week four in Cleveland. They have Pittsburgh week five in Pittsburgh. Those are three divisional games in four weeks. The easiest one of those, dare I say, may be here against Cincinnati. You're coming off a win against Houston. Cincinnati does not know that new passing game of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Now, uh, J.K. Dobbins is already down. Ronnie Staley may miss the game, which is a huge disadvantage for Baltimore. They're already suffering the injuries. But I still think it's it's early in the year enough where Lamar Jackson creates some magic. Cincinnati starts off slow again. I think Burrow and Chase play better, though not great. I think the Ravens' pass rush get after Cincinnati. They force them to throw the ball. In the end, Cincinnati may come back. They may win this game. But I think it's closer than people think. And I'm going to take the upset here. I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. Now we get to the 4 o'clock game, starting off with San Francisco, who is an 8-point favorite on the road against the Rams. So Vegas is still saying they have no respect for, for the Rams, and we know the Niners, they historically dominate the Rams. Now, I don't like the wine again. I think there's better wines, but I think San Francisco wins this game. Uh, until the Rams can beat San Francisco, again, they beat them in the NFC Championship game, yes, but Matthew Stafford threw a ball directly to Jerk Whiskey Tart that would have ended that game for the Rams. So the Rams, they have a bad matchup with San Francisco. They love matching up with Seattle, but they have a bad matchup with San Francisco until they beat them in the regular season. I'll take the Niners, though I think they go from that dominating win in game one. I think the Rams come out. I think they're going to play a better game. I think it comes down to the wire. I think the Rams have a chance to cover that eight-point spread, but in the end, I'm taking San Francisco. Commanders at Broncos. Denver obviously disappointed. Home loss to Vegas in week one. You cannot start the year Oh, and two at home. If you have two consecutive home games to start the year, if you start 0-2, that's a bad sign for the season. Commanders have a good defensive line. Obviously, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Chase Young, who I think will be playing, uh, though I'm not sure about that. If they get after Russell Wilson and the Broncos, this is where Denver's going to have trouble. Saying that, though, Washington's offensive line seems to be a mess, even with new OC Eric Bieniemy. They could barely block Arizona's front, which may be the worst front in the Wii. They barely survived Arizona. They do not look Chris early on. I think, uh, you know, Van Joseph, the new defensive coordinator for Denver, who was the former head coach there, very good defensive mind. I think that they rattle, um, you know, Sam out. They get him to make some turnovers. Denver wins the game. This is the same spread, essentially, as last week. Denver was favored by four, I think, against Vegas. This spread is three and a half. I'll take Denver to win, though I wouldn't bet it. I think they win around that margin. This next game here, Giants at Cardinals. Oh, boy. Um, the Giants should win this game. Arizona's terrible. Even though they almost pulled it off against Washington last week, they should win this game. If they don't. The Giants are in real trouble. The Giants were embarrassed. I think they come out and they stop Arizona. I'm not going to bet on minus six. It seems like an obvious bet. Though, again, I think there's lower numbers on the board where if you like the team, take them. This will probably be my sixth best bet, even more than Chicago-Tampa. I think the Giants just come out and they stop Arizona. 
All right, Zach Wilson, what do you got for us? You're nine and a half point dogs against Dallas in Dallas. Man, did that line change by like four or five points uh, when Aaron Rodgers went down. I said it Tuesday night on championship rings. The Jets defense is maybe the best defense in football with that secondary. Is there a world out there where they force Dak Prescott to make mistakes? They can win the game 13 to 10. Yes, I do believe that there is that world out there. Do I see it? No. I think the defense knows they have to play well. The Jets are going to run the ball. They're going to try to keep the game close. I do think there's a good chance they cover the spread. I think it's a very low-scoring game because even though Dallas put up 40 points on the Giants, their offense barely did anything. It was special teams and picks and fumbles and all that from the Dallas defense that sort of set them up in short field situations. So I need to see more out of the Dallas offense. Charles Gardner could potentially take C.D. Lamb out of the game, which to me gives a big problem for the Cowboy offense. This is like a Tony Howard, Delvin Cook, Brees all very low scoring, run the ball, play defense, 17 to 10, even 13 to 6 type ball game. I think Dallas wins. I think the Jets cover, though I would not bet it. I am betting this game. Miami minus two on the road against New England. I know New England played Philly well in week one, but Bill Belichick had a lot of time to repair. He's not going to have a lot of time to repair for Tyreek Hill, who he has struggled with throughout his career. Uh, and Jalen Waddle as well. I think Miami just has too much speed offensively. I think Mike McDaniel is going to be ready. I think Mike McDaniel is clever. I think Mac Jones struggles a little bit more against Vic Vangio, who will get up on those receivers more, play a little bit of shell, force Mac Jones to make more tougher throws now that they have a little bit of tape on New England. And we know Bill will not play man-to-man. We're not going to see a lot of man-to-man. But I think it's going to be very hard for New England to stop all those Miami weapons. Belichick has struggled with that San Francisco scheme in the past that Mike McDaniel runs. I really like Miami here, minus two against New England in Foxborough on Sunday night. That is my fourth best bet. Now, I'm going to ride with Carolina. Now, I'm not going to best bet them, but I'm going to ride with them one more week. I do trust Bryce Young, and as I said before the season, I don't trust Dennis Allen. I don't trust the Saints. They barely beat Tennessee. They did not look great offensively. It looked kind of more than what I expected, obviously, between the Tennessee Saints game. I think Bryce Young, Frank Reich in their debut, I think they give the Saints trouble. They are three-point dogs at home. So Vegas doesn't really like Carolina, but the score does not indicate how close that game was between Atlanta and Carolina last week. I think Bryce Young cuts down the turnovers. I think the Panthers play well. And at home, they beat the Saints in the first half of the Monday night doubleheader. And then my last best bet, the Steelers. I know. I live in Cleveland. I'm a Browns observer, but the Pittsburgh plus two and a half to me, I don't understand this line. Uh, I get it. The Steelers looked awful against San Francisco. The Browns looked great against Cincinnati. That is a classic flip game, in, in my opinion, where now everybody's down on Pittsburgh. 
Mike Owen's going to say it. Hey, guys, listen, we could be 0-2 at home. Browns are coming in here. They could be 2-0 in the division. If Pittsburgh loses this game, yes, they are without De- Deontay Johnson, and yes, they are without Cam Award, which is a big factor, but the Steelers are very well coached. They're better coached than Cleveland, and Deshaun Watson did not look great on the rain Sunday in Cincinnati. Maybe it's the rain. Maybe it's the offense. Who knows? But T.J. Watt against the young rookie, uh, you know, Jones, the new right tackle for the Browns, that's going to be a huge test. We'll see if Stephanie can scheme some things up. This just feels like a very bad spot for the Browns, even with Pittsburgh's injuries. Pittsburgh's angry. People have been talking about them all week. People are saying they stink. People are saying this could be the end of Kenny Pickett. Mike Tomlin needs to hire a new OC. They hear all that. And the Browns are hearing that they're the best defense in football. Pittsburgh is going to want to prove that. I think it's a close game. I think Kenny Pickett makes a big play away. Pittsburgh wins between three and seven points. And I'm taking Pittsburgh plus the two and a half. So to recap... My money line predictions, Philly over Minnesota, Detroit over Seattle, Green Bay over Atlanta, Chicago over Tampa, Buffalo over Vegas, Kansas City over Jacksonville, Chargers over Tennessee, Indy over Houston, Baltimore on the road over Cincinnati, San Fran over the Rams, Denver over Washington, Giants over Arizona, Dallas over the Jets, Miami over New England, Carolina at home as a dog over New Orleans, and then the Steelers at home as a dog over Cleveland. My five best bets of the weekend are going to be the Chiefs minus three against Jacksonville, the Chargers covering the three points on the road against Tennessee, Indianapolis covering the point they are favored by on the road against Houston as well as Miami on the road against New England, minus two. And then Pittsburgh, my only dog of the week, plus two and a half at home Monday night against the Browns. In week one, I went nine and seven money line. I went two for five best bets. That is unacceptable on both parts. And I'm hoping to have a bounce back in week two. My survivor pool bet last week was Washington over Arizona. This week, I'm actually going to say I think it's Buffalo over Vegas. I could also see Chargers. I like that over Tennessee. And obviously, if you like the Giants, I'd just hammer Arizona and you want to take the Giants now, go ahead. But I think Buffalo, Giants, they need to bounce back in big ways. You know, as well as the Chargers, I think those three teams bounce back and have big days this weekend. So that'll do it. We will be back on Tuesday breaking down all things NFL Week 2 and any other news that occurs. Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, my social medias are in the description below. We are in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live. We'll see you Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the football. And peace.